Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Christian Reeve is a podcaster from Manchester, England. On his show, The Christian Reeve Podcast, he attempts to have authentic conversations with people from all walks of life. In this interview, he talks about the last great decade, thoughts on being a multipotentiate, and how he keeps his podcast fresh after 150 episodes. You yourself are a project that you are continuously working on. You are the never-ending project. There's always something to learn. There's always something to tweak. There's always something to work on. Growing up in, in England, growing up in London, I suppose I had a pretty you know, working-class background. We were quite a poor family, but we, we had everything we needed. You know, there was food on the table. You know, the lights worked most of the time. Sometimes they didn't, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can go on a long tangent about that if you want. But, you know, basically, like, I I, I was in a sort of poorish, kind of pretty poor background, went to a kind of state school that was in, intriguing because it was in a really nice area so most of the kids that went there had like really nice houses and it was weird being around people like that i mean it was normal because everyone treats each other the same no one ever treated me like less of a person because of where i lived but there was that immediate thing where you know i go over their place they've got like a three four bedroom house it's really nice and then i show them my place and it's like falling apart I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I feel yeah, very grateful, especially when I look back now as, as an adult. I look back to then and I'm like, you know, I think most of the time I just think, like, I can't believe my mum pulled it off. I don't know how she did it. Like, single parent mum and that. I just, it's amazing. Incredible. What a hero. So I was born in 93. So I remember the 90s, but at the same time, I was, I was a child. You know, so all of my memories are mostly of like, you know, sitting, watching videotapes, school, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, most people regard the 90s as like probably the last good decade. That's what a lot of people say. I disagree with that. I think the 2000s and maybe there's a bit of bias because I would have been a kid and then a teenager in the 2000s. And I truly believe that that was the final good decade before technology just kind of took over and kind of sucked the life out of everything. That's not to say that there isn't culture and awesome things. I mean, for instance, we have memes now. Memes are unto themselves a whole thing in of themselves. But I feel like when I look at like the 2010s, I feel like it's a very dead era. Like everyone was very excited about, you know, technology. And I just kept looking at it like, Ugh, I miss like back in the day when I was just sitting there with my PlayStation One and you know Pokemon Red and you know m most of the stuff I think about is games, but <laughs> you know just I I remember what life was like before technology and after technology, and I think with the nineties there was a lot going on. Technology hadn't quite taken over yet, you know, like the internet was a thing. And, you know, even in the 2000s, you know, it was all novelty, you know, like there was MySpace and Facebook was just becoming a thing and YouTube was on the scene and Tumblr and all these different websites. And it was exciting. 
and it's fun and I looked forward to going on those websites but at the same time it wasn't the only thing going on like yeah i'd go on those websites and i'd go play some call of duty or whatever but then i'd go out skateboarding or go to london and see my friends or you know d- just be a person and do things go to gigs there were people that lost themselves in games and became obsessed fair enough but i think most people just kind of saw it as a thing on the edge that was like you know part of life but not life whereas i think that's the key distinction now is that I think for most people, online is life. You know, like I see a lot of creators online on websites like TikTok, for example, and seemingly they're just live streaming all the time. And I'm like, but when when do you have time to live? Do what you want, it's your life, you know, but there's a whole world out there. And I don't think it's healthy or a good thing to sit and live online because in many ways, it's not real. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything revolutionary or anything that's really going to blow people's minds. You know, it's just a fact that people only ever show the good parts of their life. They don't show you, you know, the dark times. Like one key thing I always try to do in everything that I do, especially on my live streams, I try to say, hey, you'll see me on good days and bad days. Yeah, I'm not going to come on the stream and, and be miserable. But if I'm having a not so great day, I'm not going to hide it either. And I believe that's important to to be authentic and to not try to paint this idea that you have this perfect life. Because to me, it's no kind of coincidence that when people just have a little break from social media and come back to it, they feel amazing. And it's like, of course you do, because it's not real. It's like, you know what I mean? Like I go, I go walk around the local park near me, and I feel like, ah, oh, good. Like there's nature and stuff. You know, it's it's real. It's tangible. I can touch it. I can see it. I can feel it. If you're looking at a screen, you can't really interact with it in the same way. And, you know, bringing it back to the original point about the 90s, you know, I feel like the 90s was where the last era where technology hadn't fully taken over or or kind of got its claws into society yet. You know, there was still soul, I guess. And there's and a lot of people, famous British musicians, pop stars, celebrities, whatever, often talk about the 90s in a very positive way and you can make the argument that there's rose tinted glasses but you know it, it i remember the time a little bit and you know it did feel better then and, and in the early 2000s and, and such when christian entered adulthood and the working world he quickly became disillusioned with traditional employment and began being pulled toward a somewhat nebulous creative career when I was 18, you know, I finished high school, I finished school, because we do it a bit differently to how you Americans do it. Instead of just having continuous education to 18, like most of the rest of the world, we choose to do this weird thing, which I found out France does as well, by the way, uh, where we sort of end high school at about 16, and then we have two years of extra education that you can either do at what we call a sixth form, so basically your school or another school <laughs> for two more years, and you get to just, I don't know, have some free periods or you go to a college and hence that's where the confusion lies what we call college college so college is that two years that i was talking about and then university we call university to get to the point i finished and around that time i I felt that i was not intelligent enough to go to university which is i always find that hilarious especially when i went to university years later because i met some of the stupidest people i'd ever met in my life at university so i was like oh okay i'll I'll 
that's hilarious. But, you know, I had a semi-plan. I, I was in a band, a heavy metal band, and I was pursuing music. And, you know, I had this job, and it was my first proper full-time job with a contract and all that. And, you know, look, I mean, it was... You, you couldn't find anything else at that time in the London job market without either knowing someone or without having a degree. It was a different time. Um, so I just did that. Originally, it was going to be part-time work, but I was offered full-time. So I just went for it. And I hated it. It just it taught me, it, taught, it just destroyed my soul, I think, probably is the way I could put it. There was a lot of positive to it as far as like, you know, experience, but you know, all I saw was, you know, this band was not working out and I was putting my heart and soul into it and it wasn't happening. And then a bunch of things happened in my personal life. And yeah, it's funny the way life works, because I remember at the point where I decided that I was going to go to university, I was two years into this job. I was 20 years old. I decided to sign up for this college course just to get back into education for like a year. And um, I remember the beginning of the year that I went to uni. I just dropped down to part-time hours and then the girl that I was then dating dumped me and, and my band had ended around that time or a year prior. So like every, everything that I, that meant something in my life was now gone. And all I had was this college course, the potential of going to uni and this part-time job that I had. My life completely changed in that year. You know, I, I went to America in that year, um, toured with a, a friend of mine who's a musician around England and went to uni at the end of that year and, and that began a kind of a shift in my life as far as work and jobs were concerned and obviously when I was at university I did a bunch of different customer services jobs just as any other student ends up doing and I, I've never been adverse to doing that I've, I've always had a good work ethic you know I'll do what I need to do to get the money and stuff you know but it's hard for me to care about something I don't care about like it's I'll always work my hardest, but I need to be passionate about what I do. When I finished my degree, my degree was in um, marketing, management with marketing. So I, I went abroad to this country called Estonia, and I was living there for three years. And I built up my marketing experience there. You know, I worked in the field, did a bunch of different jobs, started freelancing as well. And then when I came back to England in early 2020, I was like, okay, I think I've got the tools now that I need to sort of properly start freelancing, like doing this properly, and also chasing the creative endeavors again. Because a year prior, in 2019, I was doing this corporate marketing job, and I just... <sighs> I, f I felt bad because, you know, I was earning decent-ish money, and the job was fine, and, you know the job was easy. I was like, how can I complain? How can I be um, unhappy with this? You know, I used to stack shelves for a living and or have, you know, I used to serve tables. I used to do bartending, wash dishes, like every kind of customer service job you can imagine. I've probably done it at some point. And I was like, how can I be miserable? Like I, I sit behind a computer. This is easy money, but it, I just wasn't passionate about it. And someone came up to me one day, uh, a work colleague and just said, hey, they're doing this uh, short film, some people I know, and they're looking for a British guy from London to play in it. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, let's, let's go for it. Let's just do it. This would be funny. I then find out it's the lead role. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now I've got to learn, like, you know, a whole script and stuff. 
<laughs> I actually like, do this properly. So I take holiday off work and I, I do this, this, uh, this short film and I love it. And something clicked in my mind where I said, I need to keep doing this and I need to pursue everything I put off, everything I said I was going to do. Let's finally do that YouTube channel. Let's finally do that podcast we were always talking about doing. Let's get back into music. Let's start writing music again. I miss music. And to be honest with you, it's kind of just been a long winding roller coaster since that point. It's just kept going. You know, I've, I've kept adding to it. I've kept working. And two, three years later, I find myself doing all these different things. And I don't think anything of it. I just feel like this is just life now. This is my life now. And I love doing these things. And I, I want to do all these creative things for a living. You know, I want to be an actor, voice actor, documentary person, radio person, podcaster, live streamer, all this thing. Like, I can't pick one. So I'm, I just want to do them all. And no one can tell me otherwise. I was talking to a fellow actor on set and he was a little bit younger than me. I think he was 26 or something. In response to me saying, oh, I'm, I'm joining a little bit late in the game, he kind of said like, yeah, well, you know, people start of all ages and you never know. And, and it's true. And I, I think that you just have to kind of keep trying and hope for the best. And, you know, to, to be fair, everyone has different, different goals. Like my goal is not to become famous or anything. I don't care about that. Like, I don't think fame really means much anymore, to be honest. Like, I think the things that matter are like the respect from your peers, respect for your work, like being proud of what you've produced. Like I take everything that I do seriously. And, you know, I know some might say, Oh, why'd you take yourself so seriously Christian? But like, at the same time, I think it's good in, in the things that you create, your body of work. I think it's important to take pride in that and, and always work your hardest. And especially with you know, what we do, like content and creating and, and, and acting and everything. Like, I think you shouldn't ever just do stuff for money. You know, I think that becomes very thankless. And, you know, there's a million ways to make money. You know, there's things I've turned down in this past year that would have given me opportunities, would have given me exposure. But you know what? It would have been the wrong type of exposure and it wouldn't have fit with who I am and what my brand is and what I'm trying to achieve. And I think artists and actors and creators alike have to give a lot of thought into what they put out into the world and how they're represented and stuff and essentially be like their own agents, like their own branding team, if you like. But I don't think people should let it you know, make them sad if, if, you know, they don't achieve their goals to the fullest extent. Cause you know what, like it's very easy to do acting just because you're not like doing like a Hollywood movie. That doesn't mean you're, you're not an actor. I mean, I've acted, I've acted in a bunch of things, commercials, uh, short films, uh, audio dramas, you know, and I loved it and I've, I've loved it every single time. And it's, I, I continue to love it. And that's how I know it's something I should pursue. And hey, if something comes of it and it goes somewhere and it becomes my career, that would be amazing. If it doesn't, you know what? I gave it my best effort. And, you know, if nothing else, it always gives you experiences, you know? And I think that's probably one of the, the best things about life, isn't it? Is when you reflect back on your life and everything that's happened to you. You know, I, I, this always makes me sad when people say this. Like, I'll talk to other people about my experiences and they'll be like, not everyone, but you know, sometimes you meet someone and like, they sort of dumb themselves down and they say like, oh, you know, I haven't really done much or I haven't done as much as you. And I'm like, that's BS. You have. You just think that 
the things that I've done are more than you because it sounds fancy, but like that doesn't mean anything. Like an experience is an experience. If you've had like amazing experiences that you can share, and that could be anything from like you sitting with a bunch of family and friends and just having like a hilarious conversation or something funny happens all the way up to like appearing on a set and yeah, you got to see all these actors work. You know, like it's all the same. Like life is about experiences and making the most of them and being present and being in that moment and loving it and having like a zest and passion for life. That's what matters most. And if you have that in whatever you do in life, that's what's going to make you happy ultimately. Christian's flagship project, the Christian Reeve podcast, formed gradually out of his highly adaptable approach to creativity and now has over 150 episodes in its catalog. I was already well into creating when 2020 started. Like I flew back to England in, uh, oh, so this is funny, middle of February, 2020, right? So I was still abroad in Estonia in like early 2020. It's crazy. If I'd been there a month later, my life would be very different. But anyway, came back, saw family for a week or two, and then I moved up to where I live now, which is uh, Manchester in the middle of England. I, I, I'd been doing content online, as in YouTube videos and Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff for about a year at that point, give or take. You know, To be honest, I didn't really have a plan per se. I was just going to keep doing those things, see what Manchester had to offer, and then just keep going on and, and just keep pushing and, and persevering and seeing what would happen. You know, Because that's kind of me in a nutshell, like I know people have like this five year plan sometimes. I don't do that. I'm more like like the ocean. I just kind of go with the waves and just see what happens. And if I feel like this is a wave I need to ride, I ride it. And if not, I just see what happens next. You know, you don't have to jump on every single wave. That's what makes me adaptable and, you know, able to kind of adapt to change because that's kind of the story of my life it's just been one thing after another and i just kind of i used to try and resist it and now i just kind of go ah, i guess we're doing this then <laughs> and 2020 was no different like i just looked at it to be honest as an opportunity i came from estonia with this job that i thought i was going to carry over on a remote basis they dropped me and i was like oh okay and then they employed a bunch of other people and i was like fair enough they just don't want to do remote that's okay but then I was unemployed in England, and that's yeah, a problem. So I was basically like unemployed for about a year, year and a half. And I had like freelance work here and there, but nothing to really build a career on. So I was kind of just like constantly hunting for jobs. And I was like, okay, um, luckily we have like a welfare state here. So I was able to at least get by and, and just plan around that. And occasionally, once in a blue moon, I might get some extra work from freelance stuff. But in addition to like, you know, spending time searching for jobs and stuff, it, you know, that they said like, do that Monday to Friday, you know, X amount of hours. But I do all that, you know, because I work hard. So I, I do all that in like an hour. And then what, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my time? I got all this time. And I was like, I'm going to chase all these things I always said I was going to do. That's what I'm going to do with the time. So I built that YouTube up. I built up all these platforms, TikTok, Instagram, etc. Wrote songs again, did acting skits, just built up a library of different things and tried lots of different things. Now, when it came to the podcast, I basically 
for years I'd had this idea of doing a podcast in some shape or form, but I'd never really drawn up plans. I dabbled with the idea of doing like a wrestling podcast because I'm a big fan of professional wrestling. Uh, when I was at uni, like about five years prior, but nothing really ever came of it. And doing a wrestling podcast, or to be honest, anything that's like niche, it requires you to constantly be up to date with that thing. And unless you're doing like a retrospective thing where you look at past events, but the prospect of doing a, a like a regular wrestling podcast where I talk about stuff that's going on would take so much work. And I was just not prepared to put that level of work in you know, like I love wrestling and I would still like to do something with it, like maybe appear on someone else's show, but actually setting up myself is just like, Ugh, oh my God. So I was like, okay, so we're not going to do a wrestling one. So what are we going to do? And I kind of put it on the back burner for a bit. And I was meeting a lot of people online, fellow content creators in different fields. And I met these two guys, shout out to Childish Jacko and Trial by Fire. And uh, I don't know who floated the idea. Maybe it was me, maybe it was Jacko, but someone floated the idea of doing a podcast. And we were all like, yeah, you know, we've got a good rapport. We have a good laugh. Let's do it. So we set up a very short lived podcast. <laughs> it went for about seven episodes. It was good, but weirdly, it was really stressful. And we only did it like once a week. But for some reason, it just felt like a lot of hassle. And I still, to this day, I can't really put my finger on why, because I mean, I put a hell of a lot more time into my own podcast now. I think I'm just used to it at this point. But um, any podcaster will know that, you know, you don't just set up a podcast, switch on your mic, and then that's it. Like, no, <laughs> if you think that's how it is, do your research. There's so much more. And this is why so many podcasts, whenever I hear someone say, oh, I'm going to do a podcast, I groan because I'm like, okay, well, let's see where we're at in like 25 episodes, shall we? We'll see if you're still doing it. Because it's lucky number seven. The weird thing is most people end after the seven episodes. Have a look online after this. You'll see it's quite common. And funnily enough, we got to seven episodes <laughs> and it ended. And then I was like, so what do I do? Like, I, I want to keep doing this. And I, I was kind of sad with how that ended. But, you know, the other two guys just didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, hey, fair enough. You know, we ended on good terms. You move on. But I was like, I still want to do this. So what do I do? Should I just do it myself? I'll just do it myself. Should, is that what I should do? So then I just did it. I just basically, I didn't really have a plan. I was like, okay, I'll do like one episode because I'd done a few videos about turning 27 at the time. And I was like, okay, let's just do a podcast on that. And we'll kind of reiterate the points that we made. And it went well, it was all right. And I was like, okay. And then I just sort of floated on Reddit and asked if anyone would be a guest on my show. And a bunch of people got back to me and I was overwhelmed with the response. And I was like, okay. Let's do this. So I set up a bunch of interviews, reached out to some people as well. And it sort of slowly but surely became an interview podcast for a while. And I would intersperse it with like discussion episodes here and there and, and just kind of, I guess it kind of slowly came together as opposed to me sitting down and writing a format or writing a structure. It just kind of slowly came together over time. And I tweaked things here and there. But I will say that the actual structure, as far as how I approach like interviews and, and the discussions, it has always kind of remained the same in that I write down notes or I write questions. And I try to kind of write them in order so that there'll be some sort of a flow 
And then, you know, sometimes it will work like that. You know, my guests will just kind of give very standard answers or maybe I'll hit on the points in that order and it will work nicely. And I just kind of read along my sheet and, and I use it as a prompt, right? But most of the time it doesn't work that way. <laughs> a lot of the time you get an amazing conversation and you barely even look at your sheet of paper. You know, there's been times I, I think I asked maybe two questions out of like 20 I had on my piece of paper because I just had such a great conversation with someone. And when I do my discussion episodes, I shoot myself in the foot because <laughs> I've got this whole essentially like script that I can work from. And instead, I just kind of wing it the whole time. And then I'm like, ah, and then if I get stuck, I just go to the next point. So winging it helps. But you, you use the notes, or at least I use the notes as a prompt, and I, I let I let that guide me to an extent. But I try to just think about the key points I'm trying to make. I think try to make a point with every episode. So if you're interviewing someone, the main things I like to do are to promote them, but not in a like, oh, check them out, go look at this thing. Like, screw that. No, this is like an advert. Like for me right now on your show, I could easily sit here and be like, oh, I do all these things. Isn't that great? But no one cares. None of your listeners are going to care about that. You know, they care about um, essentially this is one big advert. It's, hey, come check me out because I will talk like this, like how I'm talking right now on the rest of my shows. You know, this is one big advert. Like I treat it as though, you know, I'm on like a chat show or, you know, well, I, I don't know. I just take it very seriously. Like appearances on other people's shows or, or like my own show. I try to treat every single episode as like the most important episode I've ever done. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. I've been really kind of going out of my way to make sure that I take what you guys say into account. And this year will be the two year anniversary of the podcast, which is amazing. You know, I didn't even think we'd get past 10 episodes. And here we are. How many episodes has it been? 170 something, I think. 160 something. I don't know. I can't even remember the number at this point. But it's not the numbers. It's not how many. It's the quality of each episode. Each episode needs to be as good as the last. And that's what I aspired to do. I tried to have like a, a, a sort of a mini story, I guess. A little thing, like uh, some sort of a narrative that the listener or viewer can follow. And it, and it makes sense and, and it kind of, you can go from thing to thing rather than darting around from subject to subject. It just slowly and smoothly goes from A to B and you enjoy it in that way. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is the lead singer of the indie rock band, The Trusted. Today's guest is a returning guest. It's Princess Etch, a professional Etch-a-Sketch artist all the way from the USA. Today's guest is a marine biologist and postdoctoral researcher all the way from South Africa. As far as guests are concerned, you know, I, I don't have like a particular quota or, you know, like something that I look for. I just look at people I can potentially have a good conversation with. Obviously, you won't ever truly know that until you sit down and have the conversation but if you look at their stuff first you see the way they conduct themselves you know are they professional are they really invested in what they do are they looking to promote themselves that's a big key thing as well because not everyone is uh, some people are just really fixated on what they're doing that they don't even think about you know advertising themselves but what i try to do as i mentioned before is i try to focus on that discussion element like yes you are a musician or you're an actor or a podcaster or whatever, or maybe you're, I've had like professors on my show before. 
And we could easily just sit and talk about like, well, what's it like being a professor or what's it like being a film director? But that, people don't care about stuff like that. What you care about is experiences. This is what I said before, like moments, the way you felt in a particular moment. You know what I mean? Like I've always thought about if I was going to have a celebrity on my show, how would I approach that? Because it would be very easy to sit and ask them the same old tired questions or you could ask them how they feel about things what are they passionate about what makes them tick get their opinion and perspective on a lot of different things that's what i aim for with the guests as far as it pertains to the discussion episodes i try to kind of pick topics that have a connection to me in in some shape or form so for example i did an episode recently on multipotentiality and polymathy and basically, in a nutshell, that means multipotentiality is like people who have interests in a range of different areas or talents in a lot of different areas. And then polymathy is like being an expert in a lot of different fields. There's a lot of history in the term polymathy dating back to the Renaissance. Um, there was a lot of famous people like uh, so Isaac Newton, Benjamin Franklin, people like that that were considered polymaths because they were many things you know scientists politicians musicians they spoke many languages like that was the expectation of, of that time bringing it back to me you know someone introduced this term to me this multipotentiality term and i checked out a ted talk by a woman called emily wapnick and i was just hooked i was like what is this oh my god this this is what i am this is i don't have to feel bad anymore because this is literally what i am i'm not an indecisive person who just doesn't know what to do i'm someone who just has many different goals and aspirations and things that they enjoy and i'm part of this wider network of people in the world but when i started doing the episode myself and i started looking into this stuff and connecting it to myself but also making a wider point about what the two things are i realized that i think we're all multi-potentialites that was a big key thing that i realized in that episode and the key themes are this topic that relates to me and my opinion on it, either from a personal standpoint, as far as how it affects me or, or why it's connected to me, or just purely my opinions on something and learning with the audience as we go along. To be honest with you, I think a lot of people don't actually know what a podcast is, or at least the right way to approach it. Because, yeah, there are a lot of people, celebrities doing podcasts. But as I said earlier, just because you have a mic and a camera and you start recording, that doesn't make you a podcaster. You know, I've seen so many celebrities that you sit and listen to about five minutes of what they're doing. And it's just painful to listen to and watch because there's no direction. There's no narrative. There's no story or structure. Like the key thing you have to always remember about a podcast is that you are listening to a person or two people speaking at length on a topic. So there's only a few ways you can do that. Either you have a conversation between several people, or it's a straight interview, or it's like a series, I guess, like kind of what we're doing today of, of like points and, and stories and, and, and whatever, like monologues, if you like. But there has to be like a clear, defined structure. And 
I won't name names, but there are podcasts out there, like a lot of YouTube channels that then turned whatever they're doing into a podcast. And they basically just sit there in a very lackadaisical kind of boring manner going, oh yeah, get this thing up on the, on the screen. Let's just react to that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's not a podcast. That's just infuriating. And then there's a lot of other people who, you know, they go, oh yeah, the conversations me and my buddies have are really funny. Let's just do a podcast together. And it's like, they think that the conversations they have are really hilarious and they probably are being in them, but listening to them without any rhyme or reason or any structure is just collective nonsense. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some people make it work, but the people that make it work often have to do a lot of editing work to kind of cut things together into like something that you could listen to. But I think that's a key thing that I always bang on about is structure. Like, does the you know average Joe have a chance of making a good podcast? Yes, they absolutely do. But I think it comes down to, as I said before, having a plan and consistency is key. It really is. Like when I got to my first ten episodes, that was amazing. When I got to thirty, I was like, okay, I think we're getting somewhere. When I got to fifty, I realized, okay. This, this is, we're officially a podcaster now. Cause I didn't believe I was before. I was just a guy doing something, trying, but you know, 130 episodes later, I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is just a part of my life. And this is something that it's a work in progress. I think whatever your field is in life, whatever you do in life, you have to realize that both the things that you do and you yourself are a project that you are continuously working on. You are the never-ending project that never ends. There's always something to learn. There's always something to tweak. There's always something to work on. And that's key. You know, you look at someone like Joe Rogan, like, okay, I know there's mixed opinions on, on him as a person and the things he believes, fine. But when you look at his show, just the structure of what he does and why that's such a successful platform, you only have to go and look at like the first three, 400 episodes and then compare that to everything he's done since then. It was a continuous thing that he was tweaking. Those first three, 400 episodes, painful, painful to listen to. You know. And then I think something clicked in his head when he, he probably did a few shows here and there that went really well. And he was like, hang on, there's something in this. Something in the way that we've structured this works. And so he ran with that. And when he started doing that and he consistently did it and he got like a couple of hundred episodes under his belt, then it started to click and then he got the bigger and the better guests and stuff. But his, his kind of approach, I suppose, is to just, it's the same thing I'm doing, but in a different way. Like he, he basically tries to have a conversation with the guests and he leads into things, but he gets them kind of really comfortable. So they're in their element and they almost own the space or they at least share the space with him and they have a shared experience together. You know, like if you have a look at the first meeting he had with Elon Musk, it's very awkward at first because Elon Musk's a bit of an awkward guy, but he really tried to make Elon Musk feel really comfortable in his space. And throughout the course of that 20, 30 minutes, you see Elon starting to kind of chill out. And, you know, he's like, because he probably, you know, going into that, I think a lot of people wonder about the agenda of things and, you know, why am I here? What's the, the situation going to be? You know, and it doesn't matter. You don't need to have to be a celebrity for this. You know, there's been shows I've gone on before where I realize, okay, this is not a show that I'm going to be able to talk at length. 
I have to give quick, short answers, which is really not me. It's more me to have these long-winded answers because I just, I try not to ramble on, but that's just the way that I speak. It's long, I tell stories, it's done when it's done, and you move forward. But I try to always make a point with them. But bringing it back to, to my example there, like Joe Rogan really, he gets what he needs, but he like, you know, he, get, he asks the big questions. He asks the things that people will probably want to know, but he leads into them. He doesn't just straight away go, you know, and ask them the key thing. And I think that's what makes people want to appear on his show and, and, and repeat, uh, you know, appear on his show several times over because they see value in what he's doing. And they realize there isn't an agenda. He's just trying to make good content, a good show, something that will stand the test of time. And I looked at everything that he was doing and I was like, I want to try to replicate that. I don't want to copy him because I'm a different person. We're different people. But I want to try to sort of recreate that in, in my way. And that's basically, in essence, what I'm trying to do. I suppose, ideally, I, I want to try to get traction by maybe landing a few celebrities that'd be ideal it's not the be all end all because i don't think that having you know and i've seen this I, I, there's people i know who have had celebrities on their show and it did nothing for them and it stunned me because you know they, they were sizable guests you know they were interesting people would want to hear from them but they they got nothing they got no views zero interest and that just stunned me the key always has to be the content itself you know whether it's a celebrity or an expert in their field or just a novice or just so, you know, someone who just has some stories to tell like you're looking for the content first and foremost so i'm just searching for people who i can have a good conversation with who want to help me make good content together and, and enjoy a good conversation and shared experience you know, learn from each other etc that will always be the first kind of consideration when it comes to just looking for guests. As it pertains to discussion episodes, I think I'm going to be continually reviewing how I approach it. For instance, there's a few episodes that I'm working on at the moment, and it, it just needs a lot of time, you know, because I need to kind of work out like, what's the point, what am I trying to say here, you know, like, I don't want to just sit and read facts, I want to kind of add something to it, you know what I mean? In the same way that like if you do a commentary video where you include like video clips, you want to actually say something. You don't want to just like show a bunch of clips and you just have like five second bites. We're like, yeah, that's cool. Nah, that's terrible. E either way, that has to be the, fo at the forefront of what you're doing is, is, does this work for my show? Is this good content? That'll always be what I look at when I do those discussion episodes. Elsewhere, um, you know, the goals have always kind of remained the same. I want to grow the following, reach more people, uh, use that to leverage and, and maybe be able to approach sponsors. Because right now, I just haven't been able to. And I know that's crazy. You'd think 130 episodes, surely you'd have a big following by now. <laughs> but um, it's hard, man. And you know that you know how hard it is. And it's it's like I said earlier, it's 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 so unpredictable. You know, I went from having one Twitch stream where I had a thousand people in it, and then the next day, the first 20, 30 minutes of the stream, there was no one there. This is bizarre. This is like the Twilight Zone or something. But that's the nature of the beast, you know? And it won't always be like that. You just have to keep going and keep believing in what you're doing. And then I think eventually, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, in that movie, you know, if you book them, they will come. If you keep 
trying, it will happen. People will recognize your talent and recognize your worth, but it might just take some time and patience. And so I'm just kind of working on that and hoping for the best, really. Christian offers his thoughts on some of the issues of the day, including professionalism in the entertainment industry and NFTs. Here's something on my mind, actually. Professionalism. Now, there's something that's intriguing to me because anytime you have a brand or something that you're working on, you would assume that the people you're working with or going to work with would be professional. They would have professionalism. <laughs> There's so many people out there that conduct themselves in a really unprofessional way, and it blows my mind. I'll give you an example that happened the other day. So obviously, being that I'm trying to get things in the entertainment industry, I'm, I'm branching out, I'm looking for a lot of different things. And as I said before, sometimes you come across things that aren't appropriate for your brand, and you don't realize until much later on. So I was looking at this particular... YouTube show. I won't go into specifics. I don't want to give it away. But basically, it was like a an online game show type deal. And supposedly, you get like IMDb credits. And it was with an American company. I was like, oh wow, okay. And you know, they on their YouTube channel, they got a couple of thousand views per video. I was like, maybe this would work. You know, if nothing else, it's an experience. Maybe I'll meet some people. You know, I I only I only try to see the positives with these things. And. I emailed them earlier in the day, and bear in mind, it's American time, so I'm in the UK, so I had to do this at 9, 10 p.m. at night, which is okay. You know, I've done that before in the past, and I accept that, you know, different time zones. If you wanted a guest on like the West Coast and you're in the UK, you're just going to have to put up with the time zone difference. Tough stuff. So that's fine. But they didn't give me any kind of, like, it was very unclear what they were doing, you know. Was this an audition and then the show's later? Is it audition then straight to the thing? There's no proper instructions. And that was my first, that should have been the first red flag. But, you know, I went with it. We did this show and we did the, the audition. That's late at night. And we've already gone for like an hour at this point. And the person, we don't even get to see the person that's like deciding who gets kicked out or who stays or any of this stuff. You know, it's just a black screen. And I, I see a bunch of people from around the world all of which are in America. I think there was one other British person. I couldn't quite make out the accent. And we're all there and it's crazy. There's like 18 people and there's constant internet problems because you just, when, with that many people in the call, it, it just goes haywire, you know? And, you know, I was trying to put myself out there and be entertaining, but authentic too, you know? I'm not going to fake anything, but I want to be heard too. Uh, and I was just having fun with them because that's what I always try and do. Have fun, make people feel at ease make it into a good time. So anyway, I'm here. I've got like a whiteboard in the background. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. You know, I've got my answers and I'm having fun. Now, the host of the show in the first round, she sent two people away from the call because it was done through Zoom. And she was like, I can't remember what she said to the first one, but to the second guy, she was like, oh yeah, sorry, this person. Yeah, you didn't really say much. Uh, you weren't very entertaining. So you're gone. See you, see you later. And I was just like, Damn, that was brutal. Like it was, it's like watching American Idol and Simon Cowell's just being a tool. You know, it's like, oh my god, like, well, gee, that's and that I felt that that was a bit unprofessional. You know, I, I would have said, 
hey, unfortunately, we don't think you're the right fit. Thank you very much for being here, blah, blah, blah. That's what I would have said, because that's professional. What she said made them look bad. And I was like, all right. Then it comes to my turn. You know, I seemingly have a good round. We have a laugh. And then it gets to the next round, and we're told to turn our mics off. So I do. And then the answer seems to be revealed. Like they said, okay, you have to guess who made this work of art. And basically they showed someone and they said, and the name was underneath. And I was like, it's not that. And I thought, so I basically, I thought it was the end of the round because they've shown the answer. Right. And so I turned my mic on and I'm like, it's, it's not that it's, it's this, isn't it? And I was actually directing that towards the questioner. I was like, it's, it's this, isn't it? Because it can't be this person. Cause that's, I thought they'd made a mistake in their questions basically. Anyway, it gets to the end of the round, the actual end of the round, and then the questioner then says, "Who who said out said the answer?" And you know, because I'm you know I always own up to things. I'm not a liar. You know, I'm just an honest guy. So I was like, "Oh, oh, well, that was me." And then I explained what I explained to you. Like, you know, I thought it was the end of the round, and I was a bit confused. I thought this was like you know, I thought you got the wrong answer. And then she's like, "No, no, no, you're you're trying to sabotage the game. Oh, you're 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 trying to sabotage, ruin it for everyone else." And I'm like, "What is going on?" And I look around and I see the faces of people, and they're like, "I thought I was in a room with like normal people, but they're all looking. It's like school. They're all just like looking like, oh no, oh oh bad person, like that that kind of attitude." And I'm like, "What is what is this that I'm a part of?" And then. This person's just being like really immature. This um, person who's supposed to be orchestrating this and leading this and making decisions. And actually, she was continuing. So seemingly, I was, I guess, being forgiven. I don't know. And I said, you know what? It's fine. I'm good. You know, I obviously didn't. This is just a mistake. I wasn't trying to sabotage anyone. I was just trying to point out that I think you've got the wrong answer on your question sheet. But, you know, they weren't willing to listen. All I heard was just, I don't know, sabotage, sabotage, sabotage. So I was just like, right. So I was like, I'll just leave and you guys can continue. Best of luck. Thanks. And I just left the call. Didn't say anything. Afterwards, I remember just sitting, reflecting on that and thinking, this is pathetic the lack of professionalism and like this was childish and th the thing is the entertainment industry at large is fraught with this kind of behavior and so it's re and don't get me wrong yeah that's the thing like you can avoid that but you have to be careful who you're dealing with uh and that's kind of why i take this stuff very seriously and i try to focus on only working with people that are professional and comport themselves in a professional manner you know people that don't act like children you know, because that's how that looked to me. And I was just like, what is this? This is pathetic. I suppose the big thing here is there wasn't much information on these people and that should have been the red flag. And I, but you know, it, the, what their actual show seemed good. Like it seemed like something nice to be a part of, but then the audition process just exposed that. And, oh man, I just, any, anything like that is just not me. <laughs> I've heard a lot about NFTs and, people using different types of things for payment. Like someone approached me um, to do some freelance marketing work and they wanted to pay me in, no, it was voiceover work, I think actually. And they wanted to pay me in Bitcoin. And that was a red flag straight away. And look, don't get me wrong. I know you can actually pay people in Bitcoin, but most people that are trying to do that are trying to scam you. 
because it's not it's not like you know you can just pay f- using bitcoin everywhere right now it's it's a developing thing it's slowly getting there right but in a wider sense the reason i bring this up is that that's becoming a thing now you can you don't just have to have currency now you can trade with nfts and nfts have it contained value and from what i understand about nfts what they'll often do let's say they're selling a, vi- a youtube video they'll delete the original video and the video is contained within the nft and you purchase that and then you own that so it's like a video or a piece of artwork and you own the rights to it i think possibly you either own the rights to it so you can charge people f- for usage of it or you own one of it i don't know but i still i'm still struggling to get to grips with the nft deal cuz as far as i can see it's it's starting to work for artwork but I mean, it's it's artwork. Like, if, like I saw like an, an NFT website at one point, and I was like, okay, but you, I could just like screenshot this stuff and save those images, and now they're mine. You know, I don't get how it's exclusive, unless it's like some sort of paid thing where you have to pay for the exclusive access to see it. But then, th- then it's like any other website. Like, okay, OF that website. The biggest flaw I've looked at with that is okay. Let's say you purchase a membership for that, right? And you're receiving those pictures from that creator that you subscribe to. Could you not just screenshot all of that and then just leak it online? And then now they're no, they're no longer exclusive. It just sounds like a more sophisticated version of chasing copyright claims, which copyright in general is a system that works fairly well maybe too well in many cases because it's like you get ch- i mean you get charged for like oh look i used this image of mickey mouse at a birthday party and now you're i'm getting sued by disney like that's something that's happened in the past sometimes copyright laws and 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 such can go crazy with this stuff but in the context of nfts i mean if the idea is tracking and tracing everything okay i get that but then maybe the problem in that would be okay let's say it's images let's say i want to use a licensed image of a professional wrestler and i want to use it for an article so i would pay to use the nft essentially use the image that's owned here's the thing if it's a highly demanded image as far as like to be used then that drives the price up inevitably you know the more demand you get the more you're going to drive the price up um or probably the creator would want to drive the price up make more money therefore that makes it more difficult and it prices out people from being able to use that thing i think that would be a concern of mine is is pricing out of 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 people being able to use things that they otherwise would have been able to get for free before the advent of the nfts i mean it's inevitable and, and i'm not saying like i'll never jump onto it but the, like in the few things that I've seen where, you know, I've had opportunities to sponsor NFTs, but the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, I think I might avoid that. Like, you know, I remember telling someone about it recently who knows about this and they were like, oh, you should, you should be careful with that stuff. And immediately I was like, yeah, I'm going to avoid this for the time being. You know? <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't want to miss the shot. Like, I don't want it to be like you know, crypto and like you miss your chance and now it's like too expensive. Like, I don't want to miss out again but then i don't want to invest money into something that just turns out to be a bust either so it's can't win i suppose my story is a story of someone being passionate and having dreams 
giving up on them and then finally realizing them. And now I, I kind of realize that whatever happens, I will always do these things because I love to entertain. I love to perform. I love to learn, you know, a big thing, bringing it back to podcasting that is amazing about doing podcasts and not just doing podcasts, but appearing on people's shows as well, is you learn so much. You, know, you gain knowledge from people. You know, every time I research uh, for an interview, I, I find out a bunch of things about someone or I learn something from their lives or their experiences. And in the discussion episodes that I do, I'll, I'll look into a topic quite heavily and I'll learn things I never knew. And it just, I suppose I, I in a sense, I've got like a, a sort of first to knowledge, sorry for the cliche, but it's true. Like it's this big thing that I have in my life. And I, I guess I just want to have an interesting, varied life and, and be passionate about everything that I do. How the table was turned. Um, I ask this at the end of every episode of my podcast. The last question I ask people is, what's the biggest life lesson you've ever learned? It's like my little thing. And I knew eventually this would be flipped up on me. There's a lot of lessons I could share, but I think probably the biggest one that comes to mind with regards to everything that we do, you know, chasing your passions, chasing what, you're, what you love to do is when you look at the things you're doing in your life, I think it's best to kind of consider whether you love these things or not, or if they're an extension of yourself, or if they are just things that you do, you know, to make ends meet, to please others, whatever the case may be. I think it's very important to understand oneself fully. And that's a journey that's, you know, it's never ending. You know, you're constantly going to have moments of introspection and reflection where you're like, who am I? What, what am I trying to do here? Like, who was I last year versus who, is, who am I now? Who will I be in five years, et cetera? Those moments are continuous. That's a large part of what life is. But you have to spend those moments reflecting and really thinking about what makes sense for you. You know, I mentioned earlier that it's very easy to let people get into your head and, and tell you what's best for you or tell you what you should be doing in life. But only you know what's best for you. And, you know, in my life, when I started listening to like that inner voice inside my gut feeling what my heart was telling me to do, I noticed that my life started getting better. It didn't happen overnight. And you still have to use your brain. You still have to be sensible. But generally speaking, if you follow your heart, it won't steer you wrong. Generally speaking. Is it when it comes to the, the passions you have in life and the things that you love to do, you should be following those things and, and following what your heart is telling you because it's like a cheat sheet. It's like life's cheat code. You know, you remember games you played when you were a kid and they had cheat codes and it would make the game way more fun to play. Well, here's a cheat code for life that will make it easier to live. You'll still be hard. It'll still be tough. And hey, you know, maybe the cheat code won't always work. But overall, when you look at it over time, because this is a key thing as well, we need to be patient. So important that we be patient. Just because it hasn't happened today, tomorrow, two weeks from now, 
a year from now doesn't mean it won't ever happen. It probably will happen if you keep pursuing what your heart and your inner voice is telling you. You're going to get that thing that you love because it's part of you and it's calling out to you, essentially. It's telling you to, to chase that thing. It says you will only truly be happy when you have realized that dream, realized those passions and those things that you love in life and not let anything stop you from chasing that and making that a part of you and a part of what you are. I just hope that pe people get something from this and they enjoy it. And hey, if you like what I do, maybe consider coming checking out what I do and maybe you'll enjoy that too. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at creatorsbymoonlight.com.